Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, I want to share with you an upcoming event, Survivors Telling a Real Story, or STARS. It is a free virtual storytelling event being held on March 21st, 2021 at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can register for the event at asecondact.org. That's A, followed by the number 2, ndact.org, or register at Eventbrite by searching for STARS. You will get to hear my story along with seven other amazing women. Register today. My guest on this episode is Tracy Milgram. Due to an extensive family history of cancer, Tracy began doing self-breast exams at a young age. She underwent benign lumpectomies at the age of 18 and 19 years old after finding a lump in her breast. In 2004, at the age of 21, Tracy learned that she had the BRCA2 genetic mutation. She shared how this information changed her view and perspective on life at such a young age, the decisions she had to make, and how her journey led to creating BRCA Strong. Take a listen in. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. Welcome to the show, Tracy. It's so nice to have you with me today. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, Great so to be here. Thanks. I'm, uh, I'm grateful to be able to share your story. Uh, a lot of times we get individuals on here who have had a diagnosis of breast cancer, but I always feel like it's really important to bring in those who haven't had a diagnosis, but do have the genetic mutation. So I don't want to tell too much of your story, uh, but I'd like to, you know, just just share with our listeners a little bit about um, how old you were, maybe kind of what was going on in your life, um, and, you know, how you ended up finding out that you do have that genetic mutation. Perfect. So at the age of 18, I was doing a self-breast exam due to the strong history of breast cancer in my family. You know, I was guided to start at 18 and it was like a month after I graduated high school and I found a lump in my breast and went through the process and went to my OBGYN who then ordered a mammogram who referred me to a breast surgeon as they found a lump. They didn't really know what it was, so they wanted to do a biopsy. Um, It ended up coming back benign. One year later, I went through the same thing again and then had screenings every six months based, based on my scans. So from there at 21, they found a mass in my ultrasound. And I said, you know, if you don't think it's cancer, I already have two scars across my, you know, like around my nipples. I don't want more. You know, I want to have kids. I want to get married. You know, if you don't think it's cancer, what are my options? And again, this was in 2004. So genetic testing had really just started in 1994 and 1995. So there really wasn't a lot of information out there. And at 21, I decided let's pursue genetic testing, but really didn't have a lot of details on it like we do today to know that it includes all these other cancers as well. So 
at 21, I came back BRCA positive and said, I want to rush and have kids and get married and have preventative, take preventative action before cancer caught me. And I decided, sorry, I'm going to pause you real quick before you tell us what you decided. Um, So you talked about this pretty significant family history. Can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, what side of the, like, was it both sides of your family? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really so, close relatives, like just give a little more on that. My family history is an Ashkenazi Jewish descent first. And then second is my dad's mom had ovarian cancer and my mom's mom and her three sisters all had breast cancer. Oh, One wow. of them who died in her early forties um the other one was older when she was diagnosed and then my grandmother and on top of that my mom's father had five brothers all of them had different kinds of cancer my grandfather had lung and prostate cancer so those were all cancers that are associated with the gene yeah so so there was a lot on your maternal side of your family and i heard you say the paternal side um, you said it was your grandmother that had ovarian yep. cancer. Was there? And anybody- it was a later onset. Okay. Okay. And was there anybody else that had um, cancer on the paternal side as well? I mean, your mom's Not side that is we're aware of. completely riddled with it. I mean, it's it kind of sounds like my family history. Um, right. Yeah. So. Okay, so nobody else that you're aware of? Um, no. And I do have two cousins that also tested BRCA two positive. And that is my mom's mom's sister's kids. Okay. Okay. So were you the, were you the, well, let me, I have so many questions. Of course. <laughs> um, so, you know, at 18, first of all, I'm thinking like, you know, at 18 to be told like, okay, you have to really start doing self-pressed exams. Like, I mean, that was really kind of early on in your life um, to be getting that information. And I'm super grateful for that because, um, you know, I was told that that my family members were too distant, um, that it only came from my mom's side. So there was a lot of misinformation that I was given and I was 31. So I'm glad that you had different information and I'm glad that they were getting you in and telling you to do, first of all, self-breast exams at an early age, um, and then getting you in for those scans and the biopsy, um, even at the age of 18, you know, cause a lot Very of scary, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I, for, you know, I'm thinking about like how terrifying that must be is at 18. Um, but I'm also, you know, there's a, also a side of me that's really grateful that your doctor, um, knew that side of your family history and didn't play with that. Right. Like they're. Exactly. My breast surgeon was absolutely phenomenal. He's actually still my breast surgeon. God forbid I ever need him again. Um, And I still keep in touch with him because he was, he sat on the board for the American Cancer Society and was just so against, you know, oh, at 40, you get screenings. He was so against that. And, you know, more women need to do self-breast exam. And it's not something that takes five minutes. You know, we promote, oh, a self-breast exam takes five minutes. It really doesn't. If you take a full self-breast exam once a month, it should take you 30 minutes. Well, and I feel like they don't really teach us how to do it. 
You know, like, I mean, I'm thinking back to, like, I I was a late bloomer. I didn't have my period until I was, like, 16. Um, So then, you know, that was the point where I started to go to see a gynecologist. Um, But I don't ever remember them talking to me. Like, they certainly were not doing a breast exam um, at those appointments. And honestly, I would say that I'd only ever had one breast exam in all the time that I went to see a gynecologist. And that was, and they should do them yearly when we get our yearly checks, they should be done. And that's half the reason I think some of our cases are being missed is women are either not going or they're not getting the self-breast exams. Right. Or they're not, or they're not like, they're not instructed. They're not told. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't know to go up into the armpit, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just a lot of information I feel like is lacking in terms of how to do one properly. Um, Correct. You know, but I won't dwell on that. We too did much. a program. We did a program on it a couple of months ago, and we had several women on the call, and they were like, "Wow, it's actually on our um, YouTube channel on Braca Strong. If you look, there's a how to do a self exam there." Okay, perfect. Yeah, I feel like it just you know it, it can't be. I don't know whoever. I don't know who's behind this, right? Like I don't know who's creating these documents, those like right. little shower hangers. Um, to do a self-breast exam. But I really feel like there just has to be more information. And I think that it has to start at a younger age. Like as soon as somebody comes in for their first gynecologist appointment, I feel like they should be doing a breast exam and teaching girls how to do a self-breast exam at that point. I agree. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's a, that is a conversation that I could go really deep and far into. But <laughs> I will do that. Um, so... So, yeah, I mean, here you are at 18, you said, and you had to go through this whole process. First of all, um, you know, thinking about a mammogram at the age of 18, you know, that's, I get mad. And you said it, right? Like your doctor was very much against the whole like 40 is the time frame. Mm -hmm. I was pissed at 31. Um, I can't imagine, you know, knowing at the age of 18 that typically you're not supposed to get a mammogram until you're 40. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like I just. It caused a lot of ski anxiety, as we all say, you know, years ago that word wasn't around. And now when you think about it, the anxiety that it caused, it, it's really ski anxiety, you know, knowing you're going in to get screened to see if there's something in your body and then waiting for those results causes just so much anxiety, right? Yeah. Well, and then also having to go for a biopsy, right? Like it's bad enough you have to go for a mammogram and then you have to right. go for a biopsy and then you have to go in and have a lumpectomy. Um, Correct. You know, I mean that I, I just, you know, my 18 year old brain, I don't know that it would have really registered all of that, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I was, um, I I just don't think that I could have. I was fortunate enough to be in the medical community that I had the background and the power within behind me to help me process it all. I was very fortunate enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's, I think that's fantastic. I, you know, I worry about those people who don't have that you know, background in that experience. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm tr- I'm just trying to process You're the whole idea no. of like 18. Like it just- and that's the reason I started BRCA was because there's BRCA strong because there's so many girls out there that don't know what to do or moms out there that we want to test our children. And 
you know, yeah, we all want to know if we've passed the gene to our children, but getting them tested at an early age, I think at 18, yes. should not be done right now. Unless there's more information out there being developed, I don't suggest an 18-year-old gets tested. I don't, you know, follow your surveillance, keep going with that, and then when your time is ready, you get genetically tested. It's not just, oh, I carry a gene, you know, you carry a gene that, can make or break you and if you keep looking you know like you're gonna drive yourself crazy at the age of 18 you know 21 when I was diagnosed I drove myself nuts when I not when I was diagnosed but when I found out I carried the gene at the age of 21 I was so overwhelmed you know I didn't have anywhere to go there was no advocacy there was no support groups it was take tamoxifen and that's it or have a mastectomy and a hysterectomy and I'm like whoa yeah, wait, what? <laughs> Let's slow down. Yeah. You know, and this is at 21, I had to decide, you know, and I'm like, I want kids. My whole view of life and perspective changed. You know, I was in college. I'm like, okay, marriage, kids, full hysterectomy, mastectomy. And that was my plan. And that's really what I stuck to from after I had my two children at 32, I was under surveillance for 12 years. You know, it was either every three months or every six months. And for after 12 years, I'm like, I just can't take this anymore. I have two healthy children. You know, I didn't do any genetic testing on the embryos or anything. I just went full throttle and said, let's just have my kids and then, you know, go in and do what I need to do surgically. And that's what I did. And that's what I had set my mindset for at 21. So it kind of gave me a different perspective. You know, I rushed into marriage. I rushed into having kids. I have two amazing kids. Six months after my mastectomy, I decided, you know, I wanted a divorce. Got a divorce and grew Braca strong. Met an amazing man two years ago and have two amazing kids. So it's just like life's a full circle, you know, and I feel like. We, I created Braca Strong because of my daughter who told me when I was flat, you know, I was like a butterfly, you know, mommy, you go through different phases in life. She was seven years old and I'm like, that's my mission. You know, we all go through transformations and what can we do to support one another? You know, survivors, survivors, thrivers, metastatic, we're all on the same journey, just different paths, unfortunately. All of us. So I want to, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm just thinking, you know, you talked about the skin, the skin, skin, I can't even say it. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I mean, 12 years, like 12 years is a really long time to, you know, and I, um, like, I can't, I can't, I can't process that. Like, I can't imagine that because, you know, for me, I was in a different space. You know, I had my diagnosis and for, you know, it was this, this, and this, you know, there wasn't this 12 years of, you know, I, I found out that I have a BRCA2 mutation and now I'm going to be, you know, monitored over this course of time. Um, So, I mean, I, I can only begin to imagine, and I know that a lot of women, you know, I've had many previvors that have come on to the podcast that have had this conversation where they just said, I couldn't do it anymore because I, to be, I'm going to be completely 100% honest um, about where I was almost 14 years ago when this happened to me. So when I found out that I was BRCA2 um, and all of this was happening, I thought, oh my gosh, I wish I had known. I wish I had known earlier. Mm -hmm. And then I had this belief that, you know, 
if you have the bra- if you have the mutation, why go through the process of having mastectomy? Why go through the process of having, you know, a full hysterectomy, oophorectomy? Why would you do that? You know, in my mind, that was so radical. Um, and then I sat back and I've listened to people in the years since my diagnosis. And I realized that so many people have the same emotions and the same experience with that, you know, worry and the the constant, like, you never know what's going to come around the corner at you. Like you're just, you know, walking along and then you round a corner and boom, you're hit with something. And it and wasn't... Due to... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and like, I just, for me, that really hit me hard. Um, and I, it just really taught me a huge lesson um, about, you know, everybody's experience is different and... I should never, ever, you know, use what I think is right and push it off on, you know, somebody else in terms of what it is that they're going to do with their body. Like, I just, I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, sorry. What were you going to say? So, you know, I had an 87% chance of breast cancer. So yeah. for me, it was losing my aunt so young. It was like taking time bombs. Yeah. They just had to go. You know, ovarian cancer was later phases in my family as they were older. But again, when's ovarian cancer caught? There's no screenings. There's no early detection. So for me, it was, let's just go and remove it and we'll move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, I certainly do appreciate that um, for anybody that finds out that they have a genetic mutation prior to getting a diagnosis. Um, you know, again, I was in a very different space 14 years ago. Um, you know, it's really easy. Yeah, to look of course back. it's changed too. Yeah. And it's changed so much. I mean, I think 14 years ago, you know, it was just coming out, right. It was just really being spoken about. Well, Nobody really it. talked about genetic mutations. You know, when you go to the doctor still, there's no forms, you know, where you genetic, no. you know, like your family history, but what about like where you're from? Like, I'm Caribbean or, you know, Caribbeans are at a high risk for BRCA mutations, right? We don't promote that. We don't share that. Right. Yeah. I think there's, if there's more information out there then we can either, like I said, go under surveillance or take preventative, preventative surgical action. If that's the choice you choose. And there's many people out there that are BRCA that are just being monitored who want families just like myself. Right. And that's great too. You know, like it's, I, I constantly say, and my listeners are probably like, we know, we know, you know, you make the decision that you can, you know, you make the best decision that you can in the moment that you have it, um, with the information that you have. And, um, exactly. I mean, I think that's, that's it. And it's all very personal, you know, no, nobody is making, um, right or wrong decisions. It is yours to choose. Um, and you just have to, you know. I know there's, again, 2020 is hindsight, and there are definitely things that I would have done differently, but, you know, I accept what it is that I decided to do um, at that point in time. Um, So I had a question for you as well. In terms of the genetic mutation, were you the first in your family to get that testing? I mean, it was so, you know, okay, okay, me too. I was. I was the barrier of the bad news to everybody. And then my mom's brother. Right, you're like tested. handing out letters to people yes. at the family reunion. Like, here you go. It's here, so awkward. Exactly. It's so awkward. It's so awkward. But yeah. 
I feel like, you know, if I have cousins and cousins that are younger than me, if they could have benefited from it, you know, and they're my uncle got tested and he's negative. So his kids don't have to worry about it. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. I, um, I I just got the bad gene. (laughs) (laughs) I know, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things where you're like, Oh, how did I luck out? Um, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But I looked out away for Brock strong is the way I look at it. Right. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) There are, you know, there's, there are blessings. I feel like in, um, almost every situation, if we can just open our eyes to it. Um, exactly. They're there. Yeah. So I do remember, um, I didn't have a really close relationship with the paternal side of my family. So I did get it from the, the biological father side and, um, I didn't really have a strong relationship with that side. And so for me to then start reaching out to them and saying, Hey, you know, I have this mutation. You might also, because there's so much cancer on that side of the family. Like it was just really, it was really, it was a weird space. It was a really weird, weird it's space. It's very hard. Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean to, and then to be the first one, like, I think that was the hardest. I was just like, wait a minute. Like I have cousins, I have aunts and uncles that have all been diagnosed. Nobody's doctor thought to test them for the genetic mutation. Right. <laughs> it's been 13 years since it's been out. Like, <laughs> where are you? Um, and it's the doctors that are out there too, you know, like the genetic counselors that are now coming out are also helping spread awareness, you know, to my knowledge, there's always been genetic counselors, but now they're, I think they're becoming larger in different hospital districts and even some private practices to educate, you know, like women and truly educate them, not just have them watch a video. You know, you need to learn that it's lung cancer, it's pancreatic cancer, it's breast cancer, it's ovarian cancer, it's vulva cancer, it's cervical cancer. Like these are all things that come along skin cancer, you know, that people just don't talk about. No. When I actually looked at the list of different cancers that fall under BRCA2 because, you know, for the most part, they're like, it's breast cancer. You have an 87% chance of getting breast cancer and you get this much percentage of ovarian cancer, but they Mm -hmm. don't talk about the other stuff like, oh, you know, brain cancer's in there, colon cancer's in there, skin cancer's in there. And you're like, well, shit. Sorry. What else do we need? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Like where was, could I just get a real clear list, you know, like, just tell me, Exactly. I don't want, I don't want to like research something and then find out like, Oh, Hey, by the way, you know, you're also at risk for developing melanoma. Okay. Exactly. Didn't know that. Um, right. Yeah. So, so you, you know, you talked about, um, you know, I kind of want to go back to visit this and, and let me just say this, if you are not comfortable sharing this information, I totally understand. And you can say, nope, Melissa, not going here and we'll move on. Um, so, you know, you talked about like not recommending that people get genetic testing at the age of 18, because you feel like in your experience, what had happened was you felt that pressure of finding somebody, getting married, having kids, Mm -hmm. um, do you think that trying to figure out how to ask this question, um, do you think that your first husband was genuinely um, just something that you rushed into, like didn't take the time to get to know him? Okay. Um, I got the time to know him, but didn't really know him as good as I should have. 
Okay. You know, I think it put a lot of pressure on me to move forward with life because I knew I wanted kids and mm-hmm. I knew that I was going to have to have surveillance. So I was like, let's just move forward. And that's what I did. And it took me four years to get pregnant with her daughter. And then my son was a big surprise, <laughs> like best surprise ever. Yeah. Happy I had him. But like, <laughs> I didn't even think I was going to have another child. And then here my handsome stud came, you know, but it changed life. And then I wasn't going to let what I was going through continue to hold me together. And I'm like, eventually, if I'm meant to be with somebody, then I'll be with somebody. And was like I said, in the gym one day and I met my better half now and it's the best and he's super supportive. I've had three surgeries since I've been with him in two years and he's extremely supportive and has never left my side. I just think before I didn't really know, you know, what love was or how to, you know, what a marriage was or what it was like to be committed because I was so consumed of going to the doctor, having surveillance, you know, thinking of different ways, what kind of trials I can get my kids involved in to see if they carry the gene or, you know, you overwhelm yourself in so many different aspects of life that I kind of just took a step back and had to reevaluate everything. Yeah. Well, and I think that's interesting. Like I, um, again, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I was, when I was diagnosed, I was single, um, you know, and everything was the same in terms of like, I, my life was consumed with doctor's appointments. I, I wasn't even looking at that point in time. Um, you know, it was a very lonely journey, but I could appreciate, you know, having that same feeling of like, well, you know, now I've got to move, like, I have to do this, right? Like, I, it, it's mm-hmm. just, like, and I come from it, I guess, maybe from a different perspective. Like, I had the surgery, I had the mastectomy, had the reconstruction, and really thought, like, you know, nobody's going to love me. Um, you know, maybe I just take the first guy that's willing to come along. Um, right. You know, and, and that's really hard. Um, you know, I, I think that we do ourselves a complete disservice when – we put so much value into our female anatomy um, to honestly believe that there are no men out there that could look at us either with reconstruction. I don't have any nipples. So, you know, I, I just either. look like these, you know, these balls of That's silicone hanging. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, it's just, you know, I, I think we're doing ourselves a complete disservice when we feel like there isn't somebody out there that can look past all of that and love us for who we are. That's why I really created BRCA strong too. Like through this journey, I feel like we go through this journey and it's over, right? You're discharged from either your oncologist or plastic surgeon, your breast surgeon, but like who's there at the end, like to say, you know, you're no less of a woman. You're still whole. You're no different to avoid the limit of isolation and help you feel whole again. Who does that? Nobody. Right. And many of us after going through a journey, any of us survivors or survivors or thrivers, right. Who helps you gain that back? Nobody. Mm -hmm. You have to do that by yourself. And that self-care and self-compassion and self-love that you have really deteriorates. And through my journey is why I created Brock is strong. And that's what we do. We, encourage women we help them you know stay get out of isolation we do transformational photo shoots we do fashion shows you know right now with covid we're just doing 
bags to women who are starting treatment or going for surgery alone, just because you're not alone. And a lot of us go again into our own state of mind. And I'm sure you can, you know, relate a little bit, like what's next? Like, where do we go? Or how do, like you said, right. You have two silicone balls on your chest. Like who's going to want to date me? Like, no, anybody's going to want to date you because you're not anybody different, but we put ourselves in that category. It's like, we feel different, but technically we're really no less of a person. We're nobody different, but we're so hard on ourselves that I'm like, no, I have to create a space where women are safe and where we can go. And if we wake up and our hair's crazy and our implants look nuts, like we can go say, you know, like, screw it. This is a safe place to be. And that's what we created. And I feel like that's what we need to focus on sometime. Like we have an interactive workshop coming up that you can share on your podcast. You can share as well. And it's about reflection and intention, like self-love, self-care, self-compassion. Like what do we do to remind us, us of these things that we need to be reminded of that we often forget? Yeah. Well, and I think, um, you know, I've, I've had 14 years in this space and not that I hang out, you know, in the cancer world, um, you know, not that I'm like hanging on to that, but, you know, I learned there was a point in time where I just had to roll my shoulders up and then back Mm -hmm. and allow myself to be confident, right? Like to change my posture. Um, Because for a long time, you know, I... And physically, literally, I just did, you know, like I was constantly trying to hide everything. Um, And so eventually I just learned, like, I have to roll my shoulders back, put my chest out and just go confidently forward Um, because I'd spent a lot of time in that space of I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. Um, even even when I was, you know, dating and with my husband. I mean, I've been with my husband for mm, 12 years now, almost. <laughs> um, it took a really long time for me to put myself in a space of being able to walk around without a shirt on or a bra. Right. You know, like it just, I'm like, we're married, we're married. Like you are with me for the rest of your life, whether you want it or not. Um, Exactly. (laughs) But it took a long time for me to get there. And now I'm just like, here I am. Like, you love me. And if you don't love me, then that's okay. Like there's the door, just go. Um, But yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I love, I love what you're doing in terms of, you know, providing that support. Um, and I love the, I love that it's BRCA strong. Thank you. Like, I know it's different. Yeah, it is. It's different. And it just has a, it has a power to it, right? Like it just is because here you are, you're eight to 10% of the population that gets this damn genetic mutation. And what I consider, so for me, um, BRCA, which I know, I don't even know what it stands for, but in my mind, it has always stood for because cancer is an asshole or because I love that (laughs) because wait, what is it? BRCA because really cancer is an asshole. That's what it is. BRCA is really Cancer I love that. Is an asshole. Yes. Um, so I have always said that, right? But here you are, like eight to ten percent of the population, and you're thinking, like, what the heck? Like, how did this happen to me? Right? Like, what in the mm-hmm. world 
you know, why am I in this bottom percentage of the population that gets this genetic mutation? And I know that there are others that are out there as well. Um, but there is really this sense of like, at least for me, like, like what, what the heck did, I don't understand this. Like, why am I in this space? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that adding on that strong at the end really just brings a sense of power and a sense of fierceness. Thank you. I, so what made you, like, what made you decide to use BRCA strong? So when I found out, I was like, what am I going to do? And then a couple months before my journey, I was like, what can I do that's different? And I'm like, BRCA, but who cares? Like just BRCA, like there has to be something powerful behind it. And then we created BRCA strong. And then like on our logo, it's thrive, inspire and provide. Nice. So it's constantly like powerful words that catch people's attention to to make sure that they're educated on what really BRCA is. And even for people who are just driving down the street, know what this genetic mutation is. I, I don't care if, if I can teach one person in a day, what the BRCA gene is, that's fine. Or a hereditary cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you touch one person a day, right. Your our percentages eventually are going to go down. Right. Well, and that's exactly it. Like, I just feel like if there is one person that walks away from this with another piece mm -hmm. of information that's helpful for them. That's great. Then it's, then that's our plan. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Um, so when did you start uh, BRCA strong? So I started it five years ago and then two and a half years ago, we became a 501 C three nonprofit. Nice. So Good for you. we fund women post mastectomy garments and lymphedema sleeves who are going through the journey of, you know, even just a basic bra, forget a post-mastectomy bra, but knowing that there's bras out there besides, you know, Victoria's Secret that our implants really don't fit in. Oh my gosh. are properly held. <laughs> we actually fund women all kinds of bras. So from sexy bras to compression garments, just to a workout bra. Okay. Yeah. I will tell you that one of the most frustrating things for me um, over the course of time has just been finding a bra. Well, we will have a conversation off this podcast <laughs> and I will help you out like it because is, we definitely have some amazing bras. Yeah. I mean, it has been like, I mean, I remember walking into Victoria's Secret and, you know, this girl and I was like, well, I need to be sized. And this was when I had my expanders in and my expanders were ginormous. I think I was like a D and I've never been a D in my life. Um, I was always a B cup. So I'm walking in, you know, bouncing in with these two heavy weights and they're ginormous. And I'm like, I need a measurement. Like I need to figure out something here. And I mean, she, like, as soon as I opened my shirt, I thought she was going to fall over. Um, right. she obviously had never seen a mastectomy before. Um, and surprise, here I am, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> flashing her my expanders. And yeah, it was like the most uncomfortable, uncomfortable experience. And I never, like, I actually took all of my Victoria's Secret bras and I got rid of them because I couldn't wear them. I couldn't wear any of them. And I never went back. Exactly. Never and went back. we're not educated on the bra options. No. So it makes it even worse. And I actually own a post mastectomy boutique as well. So pre COVID, I was doing like a lot of um, fittings, but due to COVID, we're not doing the fittings right now but we'll be back up and running, but are still having our bras and stuff. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at your website right now. So if anybody's interested, it is brcastrong.org. Um, and there's a lot of great information on here. Um, you know, just about breast reconstruction. A lot of people don't know, like, what is the difference between knowing your options? Yeah. And delayed. Um, yeah. I mean the, the different types of implants, um, you know, the tram flap, the deep flap, um, you know, it's a lot of a lot of great information that's on here. Um, sorry, I'm I'm searching it's okay. when I should be talking to you. <laughs> We're actually um, getting ready to relaunch in two weeks. We will have a whole new site and all different things to offer. So we're pretty excited about that as well. Nice. And so do you support, um, is it just United States, United States and Canada, Mexico, international? So right now is U.S. only. Okay. Um, we're national in U.S. and we're super excited. We ship all over the world. Very cool. Um, yeah. So right now, basically, we're like I said, we're doing the COVID packages and funding women post mastectomy garments and lymphedema sleeves. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you really, you really do have a, a nice, informative website here. So I'll be kind of excited to Thank see you. what you do in the next two weeks. Um, you know, with with changing that. So knowing your breast reconstruction options is going to be a really big point on our website. And for the month of February, we have some amazing programs going on our calendars up to on our Instagram page at Brock is Strong. So if you have the opportunity, check out some of our amazing events and hopefully you can join them. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I love the um, what to take with you to the hospital. I think that's great. Like I, I think that's imperative. Yeah. Nobody ever told me what to take to the hospital. So I had no mm-hmm. idea like, oh, I won't be able to lift my arms up over my head to put my shirt on. Correct. Or the drain holders that you need yeah. or the post-mastectomy pillows. Yep. And we're working on rolling out some programs. So once we roll them out in the next month, I will tell you more details. Like we have a lot launching um, in February. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Um, I am all about supporting other organizations, um, you know, nonprofits, whatever, like whatever it is that I can do to help, I am happy to do that. My biggest thing is I want people to know that there are supports and services that are out there for them. Um, and you know, it may not be American Cancer Society. It may not be, you know, the bigger kind of organizations that are out there to support it. You might, they might find, you know, Bracka Strong is much more helpful with what I'm looking for than anywhere else that I've been. So I want to just preach um, to everybody about the different types of um, organizations and support that is available. So anything that I can do to help, Tracy. Thank you so much. You know, just as we're finishing up, you know, Bracka Strong doesn't mean that you have to have a genetically predisposition. We help women who just have breast cancer or just have ovarian cancer. You do not have to have a genetic predisposition to be funded by us. Wow. That is amazing. That is. Thank you. That is really powerful. Um, Yeah. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You are so welcome. Um, Well, Well, I feel like, sorry, did I cut you off? No, you're going to say something else. Okay. Um, I feel like I could just talk to you forever um, about this. Like, I I think that what you're doing is a a great thing. And um, I appreciate just the fact that you're so willing to come on and share your own journey through this that then led you to 
uh, creating BRCA Strong. So um, thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast. And again, anything that I can do to help spread the word, you just let me know. Perfect. Thank you so much, Melissa. You are I look forward to speaking to you soon. Yeah, you are so welcome. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.